It's time we honor the biggest lie ever told, that if we made money as a business owner or hit a certain dollar amount, our problems would suddenly go away, right? My name is Cheryl Dorsey. I'm a data journalist, a tech founder, and a longtime entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, and have done what feels like all the things. Yet I still wonder on a daily basis, am I doing this right? As entrepreneurs, we provide more time than we have, risk more money than most, and sell or are sold to more than we would like to admit. It's my mission through this show to give you a space to honor the powerful builder and CEO in you, even when sometimes it feels like no one should have left you in charge. Incredible work doesn't come without painful lessons. Welcome to I think I'm doing this right. It's your girl, Sherelle Dorsey. And today I want to talk about this myth of entrepreneurship almost being inbred. So a lot of times some entrepreneurs may have had a family member, a parent, or someone else who was an entrepreneur. And so they kind of learned that whole process of building something from the ground up. Potentially easier on the risk factor, they already have the confidence. But let me tell you about me. I come from some Midwesterners and I was raised in the Northwest and the whole mantra was go to school, get a good job, work at that job for 50, 11 years, and then die, maybe do a couple cruises in between, right? And Honestly, being one of the first entrepreneurs in my family, at first I thought that it was something that was a hindrance. But what I've come to find out is that sometimes being the first is actually your superpower. Primarily because you have no idea what you're doing. And even if you're reading all the books, watching all the podcasts, or listening to all of the podcasts and YouTubers who are helping you along the pathway, there's still this learning curve that you're taking. And when I look back on my journey and some of the failures, some of the roadblocks I came against and also some of the successes, what I've realized is there are at least four main things that really helped to shape my journey and bring, to, bring me to this space of fearlessness and reinvention. And so one of the first things that I will say being an entrepreneur who doesn't necessarily come from a long line of entrepreneurs is you stay curious. I can't tell you how many times I used to run to the mailbox like back in the day when magazines were a thing and pick up my latest issue of Black Enterprise Magazine. It was thumbing through the pages, leaving them all over the house, trying to understand and digest the information, the language of this idea of building a business. You know, this is pre like internet days, so this kind of dates me a little bit. So I'm a, I'm a child of the 90s. So pre like 96, 95, before America Online sent us all the discs and we had to dial up, you know, on the internet in order to like start searching and doing research, everything was either in a book or in a magazine. Or my mom used to take me to all of her, like, so she was on the board of, like, everything or part of some group or some friends that were, like, running for office. And I would have to literally just sit and observe and try to pick up where I could, almost by osmosis, 
How do you run things? I just knew that when I saw these amazing, powerful women in my community running things, I would think to myself, like, how does that happen? Or hearing that someone in the community bought a car wash. And I'm like, you bought a car wash? Like, how do I do that? And so just even on the most basic level, that sense of curiosity, that sense of how do I figure this out? How do I do this right? Or at least get close to doing this right? That's really driven my entrepreneurship journey thus far. It has definitely been one of the superpowers that guides my journey now as I continue to sort of like level up, learn from others, you know, be it digitally or in person or through relationships that I've had or experiences that I've had. It really has been sticking to this idea of curiosity that continues to drive your journey it drives your learning process. And if you consider yourself a lifelong learner like I do, it definitely helps to open doors to things that you may have not even thought you were capable of doing. So definitely keep that sense of curiosity, even if you don't necessarily have the foundation or the background or even the wealth to build what it is that you, you believe that you are sent here on earth to build. So the second thing that I will say has shaped my journey by not having a tremendous background of entrepreneurship within my family is the superpower of getting really, really good with failure. So much rejection, <laughs> so many times where you have royally screwed up. Your pitch wasn't good enough. You had no reason to be in a room that technically should elevate you. You get so good at getting it wrong that that feedback helps to shape the way that you approach it the next time. Because you're not gonna always hit it out, out of the park, especially when you're going off of templates or potentially just a 5% a of the information and just having the guts and the moxie to try and go and do something. So this brings me to a time of you know, wanting to launch the plug and really needing some supports and accelerators and different incubator programs, you know, being sort of that pathway to help provide that sense of mentorship. And the first time I applied to this very prestigious um, opportunity, you know, I didn't have all my ducks in a row. I didn't know how to shape my application. I had no idea how to really tell my story of my business and my idea. And so the first, the very first time I applied, I completely got rejected. And there was a bit of feedback from that experience, but I continued to believe that this opportunity was for me. And the next year I applied again. And I was like, you know what? I think this time, this time I, I've got it a little bit better. I think I know exactly what I want to do. I think I know exactly where um, I didn't, I didn't explain something, or maybe I need to do a little bit more studying of how this particular industry works, so that I can really demonstrate, you know, my my prowess and my vision um, for what I'm trying to create. And the second year, I was able to get into the accelerator. And sometimes, what failure allows you to do is understand too that like you kind of have to trust some of the timing. Sometimes it's not just because you weren't good enough. You can't really internalize that. Sometimes you have to you have to keep going and keep telling yourself that all I got to do is is refine a little bit here. All I have to do is, you know, kind of rethink this a little bit. Taking that feedback and allowing that failure or allowing that rejection to help you to to get a little bit better or to help you to rethink what your vision is. Hey folks, thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope you're getting all the gems and all the tools from the lessons here. I just wanted to make sure I took the time to tell you about my new book, Upper Hand, The Future of Work for the Rest of Us. 
You can get it wherever books are sold. In it, I dive into the roadmaps of helping you, your loved ones, students, mentees, communities really understand and define strategies for understanding the language of innovation, entrepreneurship, and what's ahead. It's built with pages of exercises, lists of free or low-cost education tools and certifications, and a full 10-page list of what jobs will define the future, the salaries of those jobs, and prerequisites. If you've ever felt overwhelmed about what you need to get started in the tech industry or simply need a bit of guidance on how to create opportunities for yourself, pick up Upper Hand today. Okay, so... I really love this idea of community and community, you know, we, we speak about it so much more now, especially in the age of social media and these like close communities. I belong to so many different Facebook groups and even like Twitter communities and things like that. But I'm talking about like real hardcore community, the kind of folks that you can go get hugs from when you need them most, or you can like snot nose cry in front of like that kind of community, right? Those people who, even when you are at your worst or you have failed, they're gonna still give you a hand clap, right? It's almost like when you go to church and when you're a little kid and you're supposed to recite some of the scriptures and you get it all wrong, but people are still encouraging you, right? And they're like, that's okay, baby, that's okay. Like that kind of community. And so I love that when you are building, even when you don't know, people will help you along your way. Um, I loved this, uh, this quote from uh, Tobey Nwigwe, and he, um, he's just an amazing artist. And he talks about how when people see you pushing your car up the hill, you know, the kind of folks you want around you are the people that are going to get out of their car and come help you push your car up the hill. And I've had so many folks who have helped me to push my proverbial car up the hill in so many different instances. So a lot of people don't know this about me, but before I got into journalism and into technology and even fashion, I was trying to become a famous tap dancer. And I tap danced from the age about four or five until like my early 20s. I even got a chance to dance with Savion Glover back in the day. And if you don't know who Savion Glover is, I need you to hop off this podcast and go ahead and go to the internet because clearly I am old, but y'all, we have to remember who the legends are. Um, but it was like this tremendous, this tremendous experience of, 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 of artistry and I, I was able to get into that journey because I went to dance studios in Seattle where I'm from and there were these incredible women who were leading these particular studios. My mother put me in dance classes when I was a kid and I like to think it's because she wanted me to be very cultured and have these like experiences in music and in rhythm and art and what have you. But the truth is I have ADHD and I think I was just a lot for her to handle. And so she had to find a way for me to, um, you know, expel my energy. And little did she know, I was gonna be really, really good at dance. And what was awesome was that my instructor really, really, really like took a liking to me and thought, okay, you have what it takes to really go the distance. And what was also incredible about being in community in this instance was Ms. Shar used to 
helped pay for some of my tap shoes as I started to take more classes and started running through shoes. She would take me to master classes when dance instructors were coming from all over the world to teach master classes for those who were trying to dance at an advanced level. And she even paid for those classes. And when I think about how community has showed up for me, especially coming from a single parent household, you know, while my mom was able to expose me to a lot of things, it really was community and folks like Shar who were able to help pour into my life and take me along a journey, really seeing the potential in me. And I, I, I think about that process of, again, as your relationships, as you continue to build relationships, as you continue to build community, how significant it is, how significant it is to pay attention to the people who are pouring into you. The people who are saying, hey, well, come with me to this event. I wanna introduce you to so-and-so or you should sit down and have coffee with such and such, or you should apply for this program, or did you hear about this funding opportunity? Community helps to unlock this sense of care that helps you to push your journey forward. And I don't know that I would have been able to collect that had everything already been provided kind of in a box, right? I feel like my ability to cultivate community along my journey has helped me to learn from others. It's helped me to be exposed to new opportunities, to even land different clients just as a result of a relationship. So that's definitely gonna be your superpower, is cultivating community early on. And it doesn't look one particular way. For some people, it may be within their church community or their mosque community or their temple community or whatever house of worship. It may be within an entrepreneurial community that's specifically working on business challenges. It might be in a black bourbon society where you all go around and drink bourbon. And honestly, that's the community that I'm trying to be a part of for the rest of my days. So there are so many different ways to go cultivate community. You don't have to just choose one. But the idea is to show up and to be authentic. And it's not to say, you know, you are only there to take. It is also about being of service to your community and reciprocating a lot of that energy as well. Hey folks, my new podcast is not the only place to get tips and gems and updates from me. You can also go to my website at shereldorsey.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter, where I share thoughtful essays on productivity, innovation, business, as well as new projects I'm working on. I'd love to have you share this podcast and give me a shout on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or wherever you're being social these days. And if you're enjoying the content thus far, don't forget to leave your girl a review. Okay, now back to the show. And so the last superpower that I want to identify here is the ability to consistently and constantly reinvent yourself. When you start, who you start in this journey or who you start as in this journey is not where you end up. And you have to be so very comfortable with breaking the mold of yourself over and over and over again. So when I first started, I was this very like timid, you know, questioning, kind of always feeling like, oh my gosh, like, are they going to take my pitch? Like, you know, is this too much money that I'm asking for? Or, you know, how do I get to do this for real cheap? Um, or, you know, find somebody on Fiverr to like do this design for me. And then you start to evolve and you start to realize, oh, I don't have to do every single thing myself. You know, I can, I can hire more people or I definitely can start to add another zero to, you know, my pitches and to my partnerships because I have already proven and shown and delivered and executed so well. And again, 
I don't have to do everything myself. I can tap community. I can build community. I can find other people. I can find the who versus the what. And I can go from there and, and continue to, to move into the next level. And then when I also think about reinvention and even the place that I'm in today, it is now not just how do I grind in order to get to the next level, it is how do I ensure that I'm building the right team around me? How do I ensure that my team feels taken care of, challenged, guided, has all the resources they need in order to build what it is that we have created a shared vision around? And how do I enable them to then unlock their superpowers so that I can continue to go and challenge myself. So when people talk about there's levels to this, I think we have to deep dive into that and realize the levels are really about how do you remove some of those limiting beliefs that you have along your journey and continue to allow yourself to evolve as you continue to get more information, as you continue to cross hurdles, as you continue to prove to yourself over and over and over again that you belong in these rooms and that everything that you're creating is for the higher purpose. Okay, so I'm gonna be 100% honest. It took me a very long time to appreciate that I did not start where everyone else started in this entrepreneurship journey. I remember being somewhat bitter about it, being in rooms and in environments where there were folks who already had access to so many resources. They went to the right schools, they worked at the right places. And I would feel so intimidated and feeling like, wow, you know, they have this leg up. But I had to realize that because my family was not a family of entrepreneurs, they still provided the sense of stability that allowed me to know that no matter what happened, I could always come home. And so now that I'm now that as I, as I reflect on these top four points, the curiosity, the ability to build community, you know, really st stepping into this idea of failure and also the power of reinvention, it really allows me to be grateful that all of these things emanated from a journey that I decided to take because I had such a tremendous foundation in the support of my family, even when they didn't understand what I was doing. I think maybe just in the last few years, they realized I wasn't gonna end up homeless and afraid somewhere, you know? <laughs> and so even when I thought that my family could not relate, that they couldn't support me in the way that I thought I needed to be supported, whether it was through money or connections, what they did give me was a chance to really go out there and find what it is that I'm made of. So I want for those of you who have ever like seen these like Forbes 30 under 30 people, you know, and just thought like, well, they already had X, Y, and Z. Like, I want you to think about your own story. I want you to think about your own journey. I want you to think about the, the gift that you've received as a result of maybe not always having your family there to support you or to give you the, the things and the tools that would take you to the next level. I want you to think about the superpowers in your own journey. I want you to lock into them. I want you to think about how you can use them to your advantage and reframe your perspective and your belief system about how some of your challenges have actually been your greatest teacher. And if all else fails, I always refer back to this Tim Ferriss quote that I read in the four hour work week in my early 20s when I was like just graduating from college, just sort of starting my journey. And he had said in the book, the worst thing that could ever happen is that you die. And it sounds like really wild to think, but I always go back to that. Cause it's like, yeah, I may fail. 
what have you. It may suck, but I'm still here. I'm still standing. I can still try. I can still shift my perspective. I can still do the work to shift some of those limiting beliefs. So there's so many times along the journey that I did not feel like I was doing anything right, that I kept getting it wrong, that I just was the only person on the planet that had not figured it out. And I'm sure that you've been there. I'm sure that you might be there right now. But the reality is you have to keep going after it day after day, forgiving yourself, removing some of those limiting beliefs, and just continuing in your journey. I promise you, it's going to get better. And you will wake up one day and say, you know what? Yep, I am doing this right. That's it for this episode. Looking forward to catching you on the next one. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of I Think I'm Doing This Right. I hope this was your one hour to breathe, connect, relate, and realize you are not alone on one of the greatest self-development journeys there is to embark on, entrepreneurship. Make sure to share this with your other friends who are just trying to figure it out so more of us can have a safe space to learn as we grow. Until next week, remember, this journey is all about grit, grace, and gratitude.